0: Thanks for tuning into the ES First Podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. You, Jesus, And we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please take a seat. Oh my goodness. I am more than excited to be here. I don't even know, my vocabulary is really, really um, non-existent, so I don't know another word other than excited to say that um, that's how we feel for being here. And you guys got to see Tia, right? Come on, j- just stand up. Listen, I wouldn't be here. <gasps> Ooh, Lord. If I didn't come to do anything, I came to tell you that if you were somebody like me, you can get somebody like her. Amen. God is on the move. Amen, amen, amen. There's a miracle in the house. I let her borrow my jumper and everything. Isn't that nice? She wears it just a little bit better than I do, believe it or not. Man, I'm so thankful to be here. Thankful for you for for your church, for you guys that have came out on short-term missions. I always look forward to having you out and Um, Just getting to know your leaders and your pastors a little bit better man You you can tell the health of the church by the health of the pastor because um, your church has whatever you preach And and i'm gonna tell you they're a reflection of the way in which you live and so getting to see uh, And getting just to hang out with josh and and brandon and, and just getting to know these guys man I'm, so thankful to be here to know that i'm in a healthy house. Yeah You're 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 in a good spot you're in a good place you're in a healthy home. It doesn't even, like, I, I feel, like, legit, like, this is so organic. This is just, like, you guys are just here for Jesus. Wow. Man, this is so good. Um, And so I'm going to, let's just jump into it, shall we? Let's do it. Man, I'm so proud of you guys. It's Friday night. Y'all made it to Church. Y'all could have been anywhere else. Y'all could have been throwing axes. I don't know what else they got around here. They, they got a restaurant. I don't know. <laughs> man, y'all could have been anywhere else. And y'all said, no, I'm going to go to church. So look at you. Um, man, look at you. I, uh, we're going to talk about blind Bartimaeus tonight. Is that okay? Okay. Well, if you were going to say no, it's, it's tough. All right. <laughs> um but yeah, and so we're going to be uh, in Mark, I think I told him 19, I meant Mark 10. Whoops. Mark 10, we're going to start in verse 46 through 52. I hope that there's grace sufficient enough for me in telling you the wrong scripture. Uh, but we're going to be in Mark 10, verses 46 through 52. It's a short um, little story about a guy named Bartimaeus. And, um, I, and is anybody else in here like a visual learner? Okay, so like I learned through... I whenever I read the Bible, if for those of you that maybe it's kind of tough to to read or get anything out of it or you just feel like it's just a bunch of stories, which it, it, if that's all you read it for, then that's all it really is. But when you begin to get to know the author, all of a sudden these words come to life. And I, and I can attest to this because I'm the last person that should be here. And I don't say that out of like some false humility, like, oh, you know, I'm undeserved. No, like seriously, like I should not be here right now. Like, <laughs> like whenever I was growing up, um, I had really uh, a lot of issues with reading and comprehension. I almost failed multiple grades. They made, they separated me out of class. I had to read line for line with this little tool. I don't know if you guys, any of you guys, struggle with this. Okay, you can just say yes and make me feel better. All of you had that stuff, right? And, and, and I had, and I had to go line for line for line for line. And I could read fine. I just couldn't comprehend nothing. I read a whole paragraph, and they were like, "Well, who's the main character?" And I'm like, "There, I, I." I don't even know what I read, and, and, and I would get so nervous whenever we would do presentations in class, so much so to where I would go, and I'd make my nose bleed so I'd go home um, because I, I just didn't want to, but then all of a sudden, whenever I was about 18, 17 or 18 years old, out in the middle of nowhere in Louisiana in this small, single, or double-wide trailer, I encountered this man named Jesus, and, and he flipped my world right side up. Anybody else in here like that? Come on. And then two weeks later, I started preaching, and I started reading and interpreting a living word, and I started beginning to speak, and I, I've gotten really cool opportunities. I'm telling you, I don't know why he does it, Other, I, and I'm not any more special than anybody else in this room. I just say yes. That's it. <laughs> like, there ain't nothing. Hey, I, if you think there's something special about me, come to get to know me. <laughs> You'll be so disappointed. You're like, man, I thought this guy was like this. No, oh, man, I'm just... I'm just a dude, I'm just a dude that says yes, and sometimes it's got a question mark on the end, anybody can relate, Lord ask you to do something, you're like, okay, (laughs) your stomach hurts, Um, but I say all that to say this, that if God does something in your life, it's not because of me, or it may be a little bit of Tia, but it's definitely not because of me, but it's because God has your number tonight. And I, and I and I believe that he came here, and I and I know that he's got some st- some things he wants to say and some things he wants to do, and I, I and I just urge you to. I I didn't come here to entertain you, and I mean we're gonna have some fun, amen. But um, I didn't come to entertain. I, I came to just create an environment where he could come and do whatever he wants. And so all I ask is that you allow that as well. Yeah. yeah? Um, because it doesn't start and end with me, it starts. It it starts maybe here. It started in worship, and it. But it it's actually gonna, for you, it's gonna start in your own heart. And and, and so I, I hope that we get there tonight. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's read. We're gonna read, and then we're gonna just. I'm gonna just pick some stuff apart. Is that cool? Yep. All right. So we're in Mark 10. We're gonna start in verse 46. You guys there say yes. Yeah. All right. When Jesus and his disciples had passed through Jericho... Now, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, okay? So, if you're like, I don't like the Passion... Okay, look, look just forgive me, all right? This is just what i would be reading, all right? All right. When Jesus and his disciples had passed through Jericho, a large crowd joined them. Upon leaving the village, they met a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road named Tamai, the son of Tamai, which is where we get Bartimaeus. When he had heard that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by, he began to shout, Jesus! of David, have mercy on me now in my affliction and heal me. Those in in the crowd were indignant and scolded him for making such, uh, so much of a disturbance. But he kept shouting with all of his might, Son of David, have mercy on me now and heal me. Jesus stopped and said, call him to come to me. So they went to the blind man and said, have courage, get up, Jesus is calling for you. So he threw off his beggar's cloak, jumped up, and made his way to Jesus. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The man replied, my master, please let me see again. Jesus responded, your faith heals you. Go in peace with your sight restored. All at once, the man's eyes opened and he could see again. And he began to at once follow Jesus walking down the road with him. So so when we talk about Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, uh, you know, you heard me say uh, Tamai and the son of Timai. So Bartimaeus just literally means the son of Tamai. But whenever I started to see the, the, the name Tamai means highly prized. And aren't you glad that sometimes you can feel like a blind beggar, but actually your name, which you had nothing to do with, can still mean that you're highly prized. That I can be sitting here with nothing else to offer, how many of you got to pick your own name when you were born? Nobody, nobody gave me a say. Nobody was like, hey, you want to be called Taylor? And I was like, yeah. Like, no, that, that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> so I sounded like as a baby. I was just like full on comprehending and everything. But like nobody asked me what I wanted my name to be. They just gave it to me, and that was what I was stuck with. And so Tamai didn't have a choice but to be highly prized. Because that's what he was called even whenever he was blind and a beggar and sitting on the side of the road and couldn't see nothing. So even if you feel like that right now, I just want you to know that you're still highly prized. If you feel like you've got nothing to offer, you feel like you're sitting there in dirty rags, and you feel like you've looked around and everybody else is getting all these blessings, and yet you're sitting there with nothing else to honor or nothing else to offer, I want you to know that Jesus sees you and he says, Hey, before you had anything to even give me, I still call you highly prized. Before you ever even gave your life to me, I called you son way before you called me father. I called you daughter way before you called me father. I thought that you had something to offer way before you ever even had an ounce of confidence in yourself. And so Jesus is walking through Jericho and and Bartimaeus is sitting there. And you know what I find interesting? And and I'm going to get into some points in a bit, but I just want to like paint a picture for you, okay? Because this is how I learned, so this is just how I can communicate. And so I, I... so Jesus is coming through Jericho, and there and and, and there's Bartimaeus sitting there. And um, I've got like I hope the hotel doesn't mind, but I stole a blanket. And um, like I said, I, you know, just don't tell nobody. Okay, I'm gonna put that there. And I and I stole this blanket. My wife's like, oh, I get to sleep with that because she like usually sleeps like with this really soft blanket. And then I told her she couldn't bring it, and um, I was like. Babe, we, you can't be bringing a blankie everywhere, and, and and so you know y'all just pray for her because she's got a tough uh, the next couple of days, and, and and so I just want you to I just want you to get a visual. So Bartimaeus, uh, he's sitting. I don't know how Bartimaeus would sit, but I'm just gonna sit like this because that's just how I feel comfortable. I know, right? <laughs> I feel like I'm in a Sears picture, <laughs> like. Um, but Bartimaeus is sitting there, and Jesus begins to walk through and. And, and, he's, and he hears it because he hears the murmurs of the crowd, right? And they're saying, oh, hey, you know, Jesus of Nazareth is coming through. And what's crazy is Bartimaeus never saw a miracle, but he only heard about it. And so his expectation got up. Wow. And, which means somebody was doing their job. That means somebody was evangelizing the works of Jesus. And so Bartimaeus never saw a miracle, but believed that he was the Messiah. Wow. And so Bartimaeus begins to sit there, and he begins to hear that Jesus is coming. He can't see him, but he can hear the crowds. And then he's like, Man, like this is my chance. And like he's walking by. I, I won't be able to ever see Jesus, but he's walking by and says, Maybe this is my chance. Maybe this is my chance. And so he begins to yell, Son of David, have mercy on me. Heal me. Sorry, I don't want I don't want to. I I just want you to be able to see. Because this man couldn't even see the miracles that was taking place. But then he believes in his heart so much so to where he's willing to make a disturbance. And we're going to get into a couple of the things that he did. Because he became desperate, a disturbance, and then he became a disciple. And we're going to go through some of these points. Because I don't think that this is necessarily the formula in becoming a disciple. But I really like the way that Bartimaeus does things here. And so he, he, he doesn't... Shout just anything. He says, hey, son of David, have mercy on me. Meaning he'd never seen a miracle in his own eyes, but heard about Jesus and believed that he was the Messiah. And his faith causes him to continue to yell, even when the people around him told him to hush. And the first thing that Bartimaeus does in in his journey of becoming a disciple is that he begins to realize his condition. He begins to realize his condition um, his condition was that he was blind if you if you, if you, if you're new to the story he he began to realize his condition don't don't you know that like we can't really do anything until we realize the condition of our own hearts without jesus um i uh whenever i i was about i think i was Nineteen or twenty, I was in Bible school. I went to Christ for the Nations. It's a Bible school out there in Dallas, and uh, I was getting—I was getting ready. It's going to make me sound like I'm just like whatever. Okay, this is not like a humble brag. I'm just trying to like whatever. I was getting ready to go to the Amazon, right? And I was going for a month. And at the time, I was really out of shape. I w- i looked like a potato. I'm just going to be honest. All right, like I was—I <laughs> was struggling. I just looked at stairs and started sweating, and <laughs> I sweat peeling an orange. You know what I mean? I was just like I was in a bind. And I um, they and, and and this time came up to where I was going to get a summer credit, and so I was going to be spending a month in the Amazon, and uh, and the only place I know that's more humid than Louisiana is the Amazon. I thought it was Mexico until I went to the Amazon, and then your sweat sweats. Y'all ever been in a place like that? And so I get to the, and they started telling us what we were going to be doing, and we're going to be in the jungle. Like, this ain't like, we're going to jump church to church, and everything's going to have air conditioning. No, 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 no. We were in the jungle. Like, I ate piranha. Like, we slept in the, like, we were in the jungle. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And there's like no breeze. Everything's hot. I killed a coral snake with a machete. I've never felt more like a man in my life. I thought, I felt like a man, and, th- and then Brandon was telling me, my dad has a vest that has a drill battery that hooks up to it, and I was like, I'm not a man anymore, like, that is like, oh my gosh, I love technology, and I said, that is the most manliest thing I've ever heard of, like, imagine having a power tool battery hooked up to your attire, like, I was, I was blown away, I looked at, I thought he was joking, I looked it up, and I said, no, Tia, this is a for real thing, like, <laughs> Because I'd never been to a place where you would need a drill battery <laughs> for your vest. <laughs> I don't even think I've been to a place cold enough to where I would need a vest. I go from Louisiana to Texas to California to the Amazon and Mexico. Like we went to Utah a while back, and I was like, "Oh my God! Like this is cold, y'all! Y'all are tripping out!" And I, so I texted him a couple of nights ago. Sorry, this has nothing to do with what I want to tell you guys. I'm just, but um, t- I texted him. I saw it was gonna be like 25, 26 degrees. I said, "How do y'all? How do you?" What? How do do y'all live out there? What do y'all do? Like, I said, y'all just got your own mobile fire pit? Like, I don't know. Y'all just walk around with fire? I don't know. Anyways, so I had to get ready for the Amazon, right? And Amazon's hot, and I was out of shape. And so I'm like, and honestly, I became tired of my condition. I became tired because anybody that's ever struggled with weight, I, I, I felt really insecure. I never felt, like, comfortable in my own skin. And I just... And I'd lived like that for a long time. I got bullied whenever I was in school. And so finally, I got to this point where I was like, you know what? I'm tired of my current condition. I said, I don't know what to do, but I just got to start doing something, right? And so I was too embarrassed to go to the gym. I was too embarrassed to go to the track outside, even though nobody was really there. So what I did was I started putting on, like, sweatpants, a big baggy sweatshirt. And um, right behind the men's dorms, which is an old Sheridan there, on the side of the interstate, there was this section of concrete. And it was probably about about this big, I don't know, maybe a little bit longer, and and I would jog from one side, and then I would do, like, five of the, the push-ups on your knees, and then I'd get up, and I'd walk, and I'd do five of the, the push-ups on your, I don't want to say girl push-ups, because I don't want to offend nobody, right, and, um, <laughs> but, like, I would do the push-ups on my knees, and then I'd jog the other side, and, and I would do that until I literally couldn't, I just, like, I... <laughs> I was like coughing up stuff and it was just ugly. And uh, if it was this, if it it had been in 2020, y'all, I've been quarantined for like three months. uh, The way I was coughing and breathing and whatnot. I had all the symptoms, but yet nobody diagnosed me. And so I I would do that like every single night. And I don't know where this discipline came from, y'all. I wish it would have came back. I wish it would come back because I didn't eat any, like no exaggeration. I didn't eat anything unhealthy for about six months. I ate tuna and salad not tuna salad, tuna and salad, and I lost probably like 65, 70 pounds in six months, I went from like a 30, it was so unhealthy, I would never recommend it, Uh, (laughs) I went from like a 38 waist to a 29, I literally was like trying to wear clothes, but I was too broke to buy anymore, so my clothes was like, it literally looked like I was borrowing like my dad's clothes, (laughs) you know, but I say all that to say that I was tired of my condition, so something had to change, um a few months ago, or I say a few months ago, this is probably, when you start getting older, all your months start just like combining together. You'd be like, the other day, and it's like, that was like six years ago. You're like, <laughs> a couple of days ago, man, I was taking a nap, and it's like, bro, this kindergarten, calm down. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it was a it was a while back. It's back whenever gyms were open in California, so probably dating back to 2016, and um, that's a joke. But. Um, I I was starting to get, like, a little messed up in my back. The gym I was going to, the floors were uneven. And if you don't know, the thing is, is that on an uneven surface, I was squatting and doing stuff like that. And because my foundation was off, little by little, it wasn't like a, I wasn't on a slant, but it was just had a little bit of compromise in it, right? The foundation did. And so I was doing all this heavy work, and, and time after time after time, all of a sudden it started to really, like, Mess me up, mess my hips up, mess my mess my back up, and um, I'd never been to a chiropractor before in my life because I had seen these videos where they just like do this witchcraft on your neck, right? And then I was like, Nah, I'm straight. Like, I've <laughs> I've watched one too many violent movies where they do that thing with your neck, and then that's it. Like, that's a wrap. And uh, and I'm like, I'm not about to go pay somebody to do that to me. Um, come on, church. I would just pray for a miracle. Don't let don't don't you be laying no hands on my neck like that. Okay. And, um, so time after time I would go and then there was one day I went to go lift and I literally could not move. I went to go do something. I couldn't even unload my weight. I was like, I'm going to be that guy today. And like, I just like walked out like, like I felt like that, the woman in the temple where I was just like, Oh, I look like Quasimodo. I was just like, (laughs) you know what I mean? And, uh, and it was a Saturday and I was like, yeah, I got to go to the (laughs) chiropractor. Like I was struggling and, and, and so I went, and he, he took an x-ray of me and adjusted me, and now I love it. I like, I'm like, I'm all about some chiropractor, amen? And uh, especially because I get that Dream Center discount, come on, ain't God good? And, um, and, and I, literally, y'all, it costs us like $10 a visit. That is Jesus, come on. And, but the thing was is that I had to get to a place to where my pain, my condition drove me to do something that I had been scared to do for a long, long, long time. And I had to really get into a place, even whenever I, was, whenever I decided I, I needed to lose some weight, right? I had to get to a place to where I hated my condition more than I liked the comfort of where I was. And so Bartimaeus says, you know what? I'm tired of not seeing. I'm tired of being blind. And I've already heard that this man is going and he's healing the sick. And he's, I heard what he did for Lazarus. I heard that he prayed and he said, "Y'all, I don't really even care. This ain't for me. This ain't for me, God. This is so that they can hear that I'm about to pray." And then he has to call out Lazarus by name because if he'd have just said, "Rise," all the dead folks would have just came up out the ground. And if that man can do that, all I all I just can't see. And he goes, "I'm not gonna miss this. I'm not gonna miss this." And what we have to see is that. The path that sin brings us down. And, and, I, and I know a majority of you guys are saved. You're at church on a Friday night. Let's, who, are we, who are we joking? But there's things in our life that are compromised like that gym floor I was in. Wow. And it's the foundation of everything that we've built our lives on. And we thought that it was okay to, to have a little bit here, a little bit there. Can I tell another story? Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I love stories. It helps me. This is how I learn, guys. So if you don't learn by stories... Maybe you should 've went somewhere else on friday night i don 't know what to say um, you know next time we 'll have tia come and she 'll just you 'll just come up and you 'll just start cry yeah it 's fine um, so I, I used to we used to have metal shop where I was from okay so I, I was born and raised in Louisiana, and I went to a really small school we were just talking about this today I had like twenty eight people in my class and we had a metal shop right and um, so i used to I, I used to really enjoy welding and I was like halfway decent at it i wasn 't like a professional or nothing but I really like to do it. and um, so the first day a shop came and we had to get a shop partner, right? And so I remember I had this guy in my, and there's this guy in my class and I was a sophomore in high school and there's this guy and his name was Jack and Jack had a mustache ever since he was like in fifth grade. and he was running heavy equipment. I'm pretty sure he was dipping tobacco like way before like he was able like supposed to be. And, but he was like he was like a grown man. Like, in a little boy's body with a mustache. It was weird. And, but Jack had been around, and he had done shop for so long. He could build anything, do anything. Like, he was, like, the manliest man. He probably had a vest with a battery attached to it. Um, I think his was maybe DeWalt or something. I don't know. It wasn't a Milwaukee one for sure. Um, but Jack was, like, the man. Like, everybody wanted to have Jack as their shop partner because you knew that your stuff was going to, like, actually, you know, last. And um, but then there's another guy, and I don't want to say his name, but his name was Britt. And, um, and 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 Britt actually is like a really experienced welder now. He's like gone and done great. But whenever we was in shop, he was just like not that guy. And um and but when you know, and I'm sitting there, and this is before I was even saving. I was like, Lord, please put me with Jack. Please put me with Jack. I got pulled with Britt. Um. <laughs> And so we go and we were building um, We were building deer stands Because people would pay the school for the supplies And then we would build a deer stand and they'd come pick it up And I remember I told Britt, I said hey man You measure and cut And I'll just melt it together Because the same person that measures should be the one that cuts it Right? Anybody that knows anything Is like that and if I I know that Then I know that y'all do, okay? Y'all be wearing some Milwaukee vests up in here I know y'all know how to build stuff And and so, I just love that. I'm not, I'm going to talk about that all night. And um, so, he was like, all right. And actually, he kind of had like a higher-pitched voice, and so he talked like this. He's like, all right, yeah, I got it. Because I'm out in the middle of nowhere in Louisiana, so his accent was thicker than mine. And um, so, he goes, and he's bringing me these pieces, and I'm melting them together. And I'm like, okay, well, th- is this 18 and three-quarters? He's like, yeah, it's about that. It's about that. It's like every time I asked him, like, is this piece, like, exactly? Because we, it, would all, it would get all the way down to the eighth. And I'm like, hey, like, this needs to be 16 and three eighths. Yeah, 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 it's about like that. I was like, okay. And, like, all my job was was to melt it and not melt a hole through it, okay? That's all I'm focused on doing. And so we begin to melt this thing together, and we begin to put it up. And it's laying down, and it's time to, to stand it up and see where we're at. And we go and we begin to stand it up, and I'm telling you, I wouldn't put my worst enemy in this deer stand. This thing was like, whoom, whoom, whoom. It, like I, I mm-mm. even squirrels was like, "Nah, dog, I'm good. <laughs> like I'm not jumping on that thing." But the thing was, was it, it wasn't that it, it wasn't that like we made any huge cuts that were just way off. It's not like we had one piece that should have been 16 and we made it 14 and. It was an eighth. It was putting the blade on the wrong side. It was not following the line exactly the way that we should have. And it was these tiny, tiny compromises here and there. And we thought it was okay here. And we thought it was okay there. And it was close enough here. And we just about got it there. But then whenever we put it up, it had no integrity. And it wasn't able to do the job that it was supposed to do because of all the small compromises. And so, I know that a majority of you guys are saved. We're not, uh, like, and, 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 and if you need that, listen, that's here for you. And your best life is ahead of you, okay? It is not behind you. It is, about, it is, a, it is right ahead of you, if, that, if that's you. But for the most of us, it's paying attention to these small things. And it's not that God is just, like, unpleased with you. But he's saying, I have something better for you. Because I'm getting ready to stand you up. And I don't want you to fall. I'm getting ready to show you off, but yet I want you to be able to to have the integrity to stand the work that I want to do through you. But if we're not paying attention to these small things, these small details, if we don't get sick of our current condition of compromise, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. And I don't know about you, but like, (laughs) if I'm getting stood up, I want to be firm. I want to be sturdy. I want to be able to do what God has called me to do, right? And so you've got to get tired. You've got to realize your condition, realizing that sin always leads to death. Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.15 that he was the chief of sinners. This is Apostle Paul now. Now listen, he had like an amazing conversion, all this kind of stuff, wrote like the majority of the New Testament, we know that the, the Apostle Paul was like just, um, he was like, if the Apostle Paul would have had the technology, he would have wore a Milwaukee battery-powered vest. He was just like, <laughs> he was like just a dude, he was just a man's man, he was that dude, he would hit you with the truth, but then hit you with grace, he he was just a beast, and we know that like all these things that we hear about holiness, all the, hey, be holy as God is holy, like all these commandments, like all the all these things that he said like but then he goes i'm the chief of sinners and i don't think it's because paul had like some kind of log of everybody else's sin right he didn't have like an inventory of like oh well you know josh hmm, <laughs> well and, and and like had this log of everything that he had done he was so he he was so mindful of his own condition that he couldn't fathom somebody else being in the same plane as him because he realized, like, man, I've got all this stuff. I'm a chief of sinners. I know that without Jesus, I am nothing. That He is the He is the vine, and I'm just a branch. And listen, if I'm not connected with Him, I am nothing. And so if I'm going to get rid of these compromises, it's not going to be because of my own works and my own own disciplines, but it's going to become of me abiding, and it's going to become me getting tired of my own condition and realizing that everything in which I could ever produce is going to lead to death. Anything that I could use to feed my flesh is going to lead to death. Every place of compromise is not going to be easy for me. It's actually going to be harder for me down the road. That's what you think. You cut corners because you think it's going to be easy, but it's actually going to be harder. It's going to be harder for you It's going to be You think it's easy cutting corners now But then you're going to have to explain to your kid what you did Because even if you don't explain it It's going to show And, and, and you think you're doing them a favor But really you're doing them a disservice And I know that And I'm not trying to come at you I'm, not trying, I'm saying that there's a better way I'm saying that you really can And it's so frustrating right Whenever we preach that we can be free But yet we don't feel it we sing songs like I'm free, I sing, I'm free at last, free at last, whatever, all these songs about freedom, and yet we, we, we're so bound. And that's where it gets frustrating, right? And so then you just cut these corners so that you feel like, I, you know, I don't know what else to do, so I'm just going to cut it. Like I'm just done, dude. I'm so tired of trying to hold up this standard that I don't think is possible. And then you know what? Without Jesus, without abiding, it's not possible. You are not enough. But with him, in your, everywhere in which you're weak, his strength is made perfect. This is why you're made for him. He's grafted you in. And all these places that we compromise, you think it's gonna be easier, but it's actually gonna be a lot harder because you weren't made for compromise. You were made to have the fullness of God. You were made to live holy. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, me and my wife, we were talking because we've got some pretty life, pretty big life decisions that we're making here lately. And, you know, like so many of us, we worry about if we're going to, just like if, if we're going to miss God, right? How many of you fear like missing God? You, you're making these bigger decisions or even smaller ones. You're like, man, I just don't want to miss God. Like I'm so when you realize that you're actually created to walk with him and that actually walking with him is easier than walking in your flesh. And I say that not because like, it, you know, we just don't sin or nothing like that. But whenever I'm abiding in him and what that means is like I've just got a discipline of being with him. It says that the righteous man's footsteps are ordered by the Lord. That means he's already got them ordered. That means all i got to do is just say, take me. And it's it's that easy. It's just saying, hey, Lord, I'm not going to be able to do this, but I know I can with you. So can you help me? Because in my own self, I realize my own condition that if I try to do this all by myself, all I'll ever be is a blind beggar. I will sit here and I'll be lame and, 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 I'll, and all I'll do is I'll beg other people to come and bring me change. I'll go conference to conference. I'll go service to service just hoping that somebody brings me something that'll last me just a little bit longer. You'll come and you'll think, man, if so-and-so lays hands on me, I'll get free. Man, if so-and-so comes or if this person does worship or whatever the case may be, Man, what a sad life to live. I love you, but Jesus has paid such a high price for you not to have to live that way. You don't have to be blind and a beggar. You're highly prized. And so Jesus is walking through Jericho, and he sees him. And Bartimaeus could have been written off for a number of reasons, and we see that because the crowds start to tell him to shut up. Hey, like, you need to calm down. But... Being blind in that day was, could have been a number of things. It could have been a curse of his family's sin or, you know, because of that, that alone. I feel like the people around him probably didn't feel like Bartimaeus was worthy of, Jesus's, of getting any kind of face time with Jesus. They're like, dude, like, well, your daddy shouldn't have messed up. That's why you are the way that you are. And so, like, why don't you just calm down because Jesus is not going to be trying to spend time with you. He was disqualified in the culture from his encounter with Jesus and all these people were trying to shut him up. And, and I want to say this, we all have things that could disqualify us, right? Like I shared a few of my small ones, but maybe we begin to look at those things that others say that disqualify us as our reason for our encounter. Maybe if Bartimaeus was never blind, he would have never had his encounter. Man, what good is it to have your sight but then not see? What good is it to gain the world and yet you lose your soul? And so many of us are so bitter over these little things that we feel like disqualify us. But man, if we just brought it to Jesus, maybe this is the whole reason why it's there. I'm not saying God made Bartimaeus blind. But I'm going to tell you, he used his blindness for him to become a disciple. I'm not saying that God gave you this or God gave you that or whatever the case may be, but I don't care how it got there, but if it leads me to him, I'll take it all day long. Right? But if you don't realize your condition, you'll never be desperate. You'll never be desperate if you don't realize your condition. And that's what Bartimaeus became. He became desperate. I told you about, um, I told you about my chiropractor story, Right? It had to become. I had to get to a place to where I had no other option. I had to. I had to change. I had to, or, or even my weight loss. I got to a place where I'm like, I'm not going to be able to function unless something shifts in my life. It's not enough to know our condition because all of us know already what our condition is. We may not realize the severity of it. We may not realize what it's costing us, but we know what our condition is. If I went around and said, "Hey, man, why don't you go ahead and tell me your secret sin?" I, I, I was. Gonna- <laughs> I was getting ready to expose him. Like, we all know what our condition is. We all know where our compromise is. We all know where we're falling short. Because even whenever I begin to talk about it, you get, like, clenched up. And that's okay. Like, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you realize it. But it's not enough to know our condition, but a willingness to stir what has been our normal through repentance. So Bartimaeus he, has, he, he, he begins to repent And we're going to get into what that looks like But repentance is the change of direction I know you guys know this This is for me, okay This isn't for you I know that you guys are Bible scholars And you've been taught this And all that kind of good stuff This is for me to be able to make a good point, alright So repentance is different than forgiveness Sometimes we mix the two and they're not the same I can ask for forgiveness and never repent But I can't repent and not ask for forgiveness So Forgiveness is, hey, I stepped on, I stepped on your your jays, okay, I got them dirty. Don't do it. And I can say, I'm sorry, Hey, my bad, forgive me, but I still don't watch where I walk. I haven't changed anything as far as my awareness, and I keep stepping on your shoes. I, and that's something small, right? We all know somebody that says they're sorry, but yet they keep doing the same thing. You're like, well, you ain't sorry. You're not really asking for forgiveness. What we're saying is, is like, I know that you're asking for forgiveness, but you're not actually repenting. And so repentance is the changing of a direction. It's the changing of the way that you think. I see it like this, okay? I know that I'm around some country folks. Y'all got vests with batteries. I'm telling you, I'm going to be talking about that all night long. Y'all ever dug a ditch or a trench? So... Whenever you dig a ditch, it's you, a, a ditch. Okay, I got to be real careful with that word. All right, yeah. I know we're trying to stay sanctified in here. I know it. Yeah, there it is. And but it's there so that water can run through, right? So let's say I, I dig this ditch um, like two foot, right? It's a two foot like culvert, and and this is for the water to come through. And maybe this water has been coming through for. Four years. So now my two foot is actually probably gone to four because of the erosion of the water keep rushing in. And so let's say the 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 the, the ditch used to come this way, but now I want it to go that way. What's got to happen? I've got to dig another ditch. I've got to dig it a little bit deeper. I've got to get it into a place where the water has no choice but to go this way. And so for our, so, whenever we're making decisions, what repentance looks like is I'm going to change the way that this water is going. I'm going to change the way in which I'm reacting to all these different things. And so if I'm going to do that, I, there's literally science behind it. I'm going to have to make a new neurological pathway in my brain to where whenever I used to get angry, I'd punch through a wall. But now I'm digging a new ditch to where whenever I get angry, I come to the Father. Instead of taking it out on my coworkers, instead of me having unhealthy confrontation, what I'm going to do is actually process it with Holy Spirit and find out why it is I'm so angry. And then all of a sudden, I'm going I'm to begin to deal with it in a healthy way. This is what repentance is. Repentance is not saying, God, I'm so sorry I did that again, and I keep, you know, but yet there's nothing changing. You don't have any new disciplines. You're not telling anybody about it, and yet you keep going into the same compromise. I'm sorry. Like, you may ask for forgiveness, but you don't actually want repentance, and you want those things. You want to feel good, but you don't want to make the change, and sometimes we pray for deliverance, when really we need discipline. I love you. <laughs> I do. I really do love you. And the only reason that I tell you anything hard is because I love you. And what I really want for you is God's best. But if we pray for deliverance, but yet we don't want any kind of discipline, we're not going to get there. I've seen God set people free just like that. And I've seen God take five, six, ten years to get them totally free. And what I mean by freedom is not that you never think about it again or want to do it again, but you have the freedom to say no. Because we, we really do. We think freedom is like, well, I just never think about it anymore. I just never, I, you know, I never, get, I never get the urge to just cuss them, cuss them out anymore. Hey, you know what? If that's you, praise the Lord. I'm working there. I'm getting there. Why well, you know, I just, you know, like, I just never want to look at pornography ever again. I just never even have the urge of lust. I just, okay, like, that's cool. But I think it says a lot more for you to have the temptation, but yet you say no. And that's true freedom because back in the day before Jesus, whenever you got that text, whenever you got that call, whenever you got that urge, you couldn't say no. Your flesh was way too strong. And it says as surely as you were a slave to sin, now you're a slave to righteousness. That's what the book of Romans says. And so just as sin used to pull you around, now whenever you're abiding in Jesus, righteousness calls you. Righteousness pulls you. And I'm telling you, if you can say no, you are free. If you can say no... You're free. And so Bartimaeus, he, what I love about him is that whenever back in the day, right, he used to, this is what Bartimaeus' repentance looked like. So Bartimaeus, y'all remember, he used to lay on his mat, and I really, and this is just like not a good way for me to be laying, I feel like I'm posing for a magazine or something, it's weird. Uh, it's cute? All right. Um, but Bartimaeus, he used to lay, and he used to beg for change, right, right? I, I don't know what it looks like here, but you know, in, in in LA, there's like an it's just like the homelessness crisis is just out of this world, and, and so we see this a lot. There's panhandlers everywhere, and um, th- but this guy was blind, and so he'd just say, "Hey," like just making sure that somebody knows that he's there. And these people would come and bring him change, but when Jesus calls him, for him to be able to receive change, he's got to get up. He used to wait for change, but now he's got to get up for change. He used to wait for somebody to come and bring him something that would get him through the day. But now, if he's going to get him something that's going to change his life, he's going to have to do something. He's going to have to get up. He's going to have to come. And you know what I loved about Bartimaeus is that it wasn't even Jesus that came to him and said, hey, come with me. He sent somebody. He said, hey, I want him. Would you go get him? Would you go get him? He doesn't even get invited by Jesus personally, but listens to someone who heard Jesus' request. And then I just see Bartimaeus, and he's blind, right? We know that. And I could see him walking through this giant crowd, because we knew that there was a crowd there, and he begins to just use these other people as a guide to get to Jesus. Because Jesus calls him out, he sees him over the crowd, and he says, hey, I want him to come here. And so then he's just beginning to feel through everybody. And all these other people are doing is just trying to help him get to Jesus. Can I tell you, you've got people in your life that you may be blind, but they can see where you need to go. And if you just keep putting your hand on them, you keep asking for counsel, You keep try- this is what your pastors are here for, this is what your small group leaders are here for, they are here to help you, okay? They're not no special than you, they just see him and they know how to get to him. and then here you are blind. And that's okay. You keep relying on them, you keep pressing in on them, they'll get you there. But if you, And what I love is that somebody was just obedient to go and tell him, hey, Jesus has called you. You need those people in your life. You need those people that hear Jesus and know what he's got for your life and just say, hey, like, you don't have to sit there anymore. He's called you. Hey, you don't have to be blind anymore. He's got you. Would you come? And so then he, he gets up and he begins, and, and, and I firmly believe this is where he went from called to chosen. Because we know the Bible says that many are called but few are chosen. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. I, I firmly believe this is where he went from, from being called to chosen. Because back then it said that he threw off his beggar's cloak. And, and, and so what? This blanket is heavy. It don't look like it's heavy, but it's heavy. And so he, he, uh, he had this cloak, right? And so this was his warmth. Sometimes it was even their shelter. So this is what they would use to cover themselves, this is what they used to keep themselves warm, this was his place of work, this is where he found provision, and this was also his identity, because when you saw this, just like when you saw the robe of righteousness, just whenever you saw the priestly gown, this is how you know, like, oh, that's a priest, well, that's a what? And they saw him, they go, oh, that's the beggar, that's, that's who he is, you know Bartimaeus, yeah, highly prized, right? And he hears somebody that just been around Jesus close enough. You know what I love is that Jesus didn't even use the most eloquent, the most talented, the most good. He just, he just used somebody that was close enough to hear what he wanted. Can't we just be that person? You know, he did the same thing in the parable of the prodigal son. The son comes home, and I'm not going to, I, I, I want to be respectful of your time. And so. I, but I'm telling you, this is how I learn. But whenever the son comes and the father embraces him, he doesn't go, Hey, can I have the most eloquent servant we've got here? I need somebody with the tightest jeans and the Chelsea boots or the freshest J's or this or that. Or I need somebody that's got the most Bible school credits or there's somebody that really knows Greek and Hebrew. Can they? He looks for a servant that's close enough to hear his voice. And then the servant goes and gets the father's robe, the father's sandals, and the father's ring. Our job as the church is not to provide our own righteousness, not to provide our own freedom, and not to provide our own authority, which is what those three things were. Our job is just to listen. Jesus, what what do you want to do? He goes, hey, I want Bartimaeus. Okay, come. Come. But Bartimaeus, whenever he gets that call... He says, "You know what? I am a, I'm going to throw away my warmth. I'm going to throw away my comfort. I'm going to throw away the way I used to provide. I'm going to throw away my old identity because I firmly believe that if Jesus has called me, he's going to heal me." I firmly believe. Yeah. Yeah. He throws away his shelter. He throws away everything that he used to know, everything that he was known for. And he goes, "That's it. I'm done." Because I know he's the Messiah I'm up I'm leaving And just because you feel like you haven't been healed yet Doesn't mean that you're not chosen If you've begun to get up And you've begun to leave your old life To follow Jesus You're a disciple You're chosen The healing will come Because we realize that he was changed Before he ever even got healed Just by his mere step of faith But I will say this, that you can't keep your old ways and receive healing at the same time. You can't can't keep playing with toxic relationships and expect to have a healthy marriage. You can't flirt with the the receptionist and think that your wife is just going to be so happy that you're home. You can't keep eating junk food and then expect to have a six-pack. It just doesn't work that way. I've tried so hard. It just doesn't work. Y'all, donuts are not good for you. I just found this out, and here I am. Isn't it funny that we look for all these things that are all counterfeits and yet we think that it's going to bring health? You know what I mean? Like, we just, we expect that we're going to keep, because like, what if Bartimaeus would have kept his stuff with him? You imagine the insult to Jesus? Like, hey, listen, I'm going to bring this stuff with me just in case this doesn't work out. Like, how many of us walk with Jesus but yet have a plan B? You know what I mean? Like, Hey, Lord, I'm going to walk with you, but if this don't work out, (laughs) Cheryl's waiting. I believe, I don't know who Cheryl is, but (laughs) that's your toxic relationship. Dude, no joke. I preached this at a church a while back, and I started talking about toxic relationships, and I talked about a guy named Chad. Um, I don't know who Chad is. Chad just sounded like an unhealthy dude. I'm sorry. If there's somebody in here named Chad, you know, bless you. I love you. Amen. Amen. but I started to describe this guy. I started to describe Chad, and I said he's wearing affliction T-shirts, right? He's got ripped-up jeans, and like his shirt's really tight, but his pants are really baggy. You know, you know the type I'm talking about. And he's got like blonde tips, American Fighter T-shirts as well. He just looked like he just went through buckle on a shopping spree. You know what I mean? If that's anybody in here, I promise you don't. Please don't be offended. Please come back to church. I won't be here next week. All right. <laughs> But I start and like, bro, the, the first, the front row, front row, there was like three or four of the pastors, and they just start crying, laughing. And I'm like, man, like, I'm really hitting, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, man, I'm just funny this morning. Come to find out, Chad was a real dude. It was a real time, I was like working in the gift of words of knowledge and didn't even know it. I described Chad to a T, and the, and the lady, and like, it was just wild. So, but I was, I was, my premise was this, is that we can't, how many of you know somebody, because I know it's nobody in this room, right? We're all righteous. We're all holy. We don't be messing around with no stuff like that, okay? We just, we just here for fun, okay? It's Friday night party right now. But I know that you know somebody that you just be praying for. You don't be gossiping about. You know what I'm saying? I know. <laughs> but you know somebody that's got a relationship that's not healthy. And, they'd be like, and, and one week they'd be like, you know what, Chad is just the greatest. He bought me, he bought me a new pair of shoes. And, and Chad took me out to the Outback Steakhouse. And, man, he's just the greatest, and then the next week, they get back with their girlfriends, and they're like, man, Chad is just the worst. I caught him, and he was texting Cheryl. <laughs> and, and not Cheryl. Cheryl's bad. I'm telling y'all. Y'all stay away from Cheryl. Is there a Cheryl in here? I hope not. <laughs> Cheryl and Chad are safe names in here, okay? But, um, and, 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 and yet, and they tell their girlfriends, and they're like, man, Chad is just bad news. I hate Chad. Chad's the worst. And then, they, and then the next week, they're like, back with Chad. Even though they say, I'll never be with Chad again, I'll never be with Chad again, and then all of a sudden the next week, it's like Facebook comes up in a relationship, and it's like, wait, what? Huh? Didn't y'all just break up like a breath ago? Like, what is going on? But it's like whenever they get lonely, they turn to that. Can I tell you that whenever all, everything hits the fan, whenever all hell breaks loose, the things that you turn to are really your idols. Like, this is when we, get, when we get pressed, we begin to really see what our idols are. When you get lonely, when you get depressed, the thing that you turn to, that's the thing that's actually Lord over your life. When you get crushed in your finances, and yet you start to look at other places, and how to, okay, look, like, that's, that's your idol. Whenever you get lonely, and yet you start searching up stuff you shouldn't be searching, that's your idol. Whenever um, you begin to have all this stuff happen, and yet you start calling your best friend before you even ask Jesus anything about it, we got an idol. You you remember Bill Ingwall? Y'all remember him? Here's your sign. Be like, here's your idol. You know what I mean? Man, I'm bored, I'm lonely. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn to Instagram, I'm gonna turn to Facebook. There's your idol. But Bartimaeus, he says, you know what? I really do believe that this Jesus guy is who he says he is. So I'm gonna throw this stuff off. And I'm beginning to walk with him. He said, I don't I don't have a plan B. I don't. I don't want a plan B. I don't want a plan B, man. Like, Jesus is it. Jesus is the reward. I'm not here because of any other reason. Like, there's no weight on me to entertain. I'm just, I'm just talking about my dude, Jesus. That's it. And, like, I don't have a plan B. I'm just going to follow this man until, that's it, until I go to be with him in person. Amen? But if, if I'm not desperate for change, I'll never be a disturbance to culture. And that's what we see, and, and, and that was the, the kind of the next step, I guess you could say, of Bartimaeus. And, and even though the two kind of happened at the same time, um, him, him actually realizing his condition and becoming desperate is what triggered the disturbance. Because how can I disturb culture? How, how can I disturb culture if my own life hasn't been disturbed? How can I go and begin to think that I'm going to change the world when I even haven't had a change in my own heart? Through the gospel. Um, y'all ever been y'all ever been eating with somebody? You go to place your order, and I, Tia sometimes maybe will be like this, but I've seen other people that are worse, okay? She's like the sweetest person on the planet. Y'all y'all think y'all sweet? No, you're not. You you better compared to Tia, okay? Um, if y'all think I'm great, you ain't met nothing yet, okay? And so, but like, y'all ever been eating with somebody and you go to make an order, and then your order gets there and it's wrong? And then, like, I'm the type. I'm not gonna say nothing. Like, I'm, I'm a fatty, like, I'm just gonna eat it. I don't care if it's like something totally off the menu. I gotta order a cheeseburger and they come out with a piece of pizza. I'm like, all right, well, I guess it's pizza today. Like, it's all good. <laughs> like, I'm not really tripping, or like if I if I ask for cheese and they don't give me cheese, I'm not gonna be like, uh, excuse me, sir, um, you didn't give me no queso on here. Like, <laughs> what you doing? Like, I'm not that type. But you ever been with somebody that stood up for you, that caused a scene because your order was wrong? <laughs> And so much so to where you'd be like, calm down, it's not that big a deal, like, it's just cheese, like, <laughs> so what, the salad's not, it was the salad's like, kind of warm, I wanted it cold, it's all good, like, calm down. Oh, no, we gonna get the order right, they start, like, all of a sudden, like, your wife just starts breaking out and being ghetto, and you're like, you're from Utah, calm down. <laughs> all of a sudden, her nails grew, and she's just like, like, calm down. I remember one time we were at Tender Greens. Y'all, I don't know if y'all got Tender Greens here. It's just, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just good food. We'll just say it like that, but it's kind of, it's like bougie, but not bougie. It's like, like Olive Garden, and then it's like, maybe like a step two, and then Tender Greens, and like, they have like fresh steak, and good chicken, and stuff like that, and I remember one time we went, you remember this, and that dude caused a scene, oh my goodness, I was so embarrassed for him. And he was like by himself, too. Like, who are you? Like, why are you being this way? You're all, this is why you eating by yourself. Um, that's what I wanted. Y'all ever had like little flesh points come out like that? Um, just me? All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> glad I've got, I'm the one with the microphone. Um, <laughs> all y'all self righteous. I'm just kidding. Um, but we were sitting there and like we had gotten our food, and I, I think all of our stuff was pretty good. Like, it was, we had mashed potatoes and steak. We was eating good. Amen. And then this dude sitting by himself, and I felt so bad for the waiter. Y'all ever had a situation like that where the waiter comes and like the dude's just getting abused, or the person at the store who's got nothing to do with the mistake that was made, is just getting all the wrath for it. Um, at, well, the waiter comes and he's like, My potato, I forget what it was, my potatoes were cold, and and da-da-da-da. And he sends it back once. He brings it back out, got a whole new fresh plate, still not good enough. Sends it back, and it's just causing this scene. And I was just like, oh, like I was disgusted that he was like causing this big of a scene and being in that big of a disturbance. And and like as much as it was embarrassing then, the guy said, the guy, the reason that he caused such a disturbance is because he knew what he really wanted. And what he wanted was bigger than his fear of man in the scene that he was causing. And so Bartimaeus is like that dude that's at tender Greens, and he goes, you know what, I ordered steak, I ordered it medium rare, you brought it out medium, I want rare, send it back, this isn't God's best for me. And so many of us have, we're scared to cause a scene because we are so scared of what other people are going to think about us if we begin to look different, sing different, like smell different, you know what I'm saying, just live different. But we are so afraid that people are going to say, well, who do you think you are that you can just call out to Jesus and he's just going to come and heal you? I say, I'm Bartimaeus, I'm highly prized, glory to God. (laughs) You know? Bartimaeus got sick. And you know what? He didn't cause a disturbance because that was his goal. He caused a disturbance as a side effect. And we'll never change the world if we're just going out and we're trying to just tell the world what to be like. But if we get sick and tired of living normal and we begin to go after Jesus with everything that we have, it's going to cause a disturbance to culture. You know what I mean? Like, we can't tell people, like, hey, you need to live righteous, but then, like, we just still be cutting corners and everything else like that. We just have to go after Jesus, and then we'll say, like, the Apostle Paul, hey, come follow me as I follow Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you have so much peace? Why do you have so much joy? Don't, why, don't you see everything that's going on? 2020 was, like, one of my worst but my best years. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else like that? And I didn't come here to preach on 2020, but I'm saying it's all about perspective. I'm saying that it's all about like let's just link up with Jesus, and people will begin to ask you why you are the way that you are. Well, why, why, why do you look different? Why are you like this? I ain't never, I've never came up to somebody and be like, hey, you need to change. You need to look like Je-. that's not me. But I have had people like, hey, like, how are you dealing with this? So at the beginning, of, I'm going to share another story, and then I promise you, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not even going to tell you I'm closing soon. I'm just having fun with you guys, is that okay? Yeah. All right. I'm not gonna lie to you. We in church. <laughs> Don't catch me outside though. No. But um the beginning of January of this year, or January of last year, um, me and Tia, we both lost a grandparent, which is tough. Um but but that we kind of saw it coming. Um my my grandma was like a promise to me from God because I had prayed like almost two years before that she passed and she was on her deathbed then. And Holy Spirit told me to stay in Los Angeles and, you know, that the last time I see my grandmother, she wouldn't be on tubes and stuff like that. And it's just a really cool story. I'd love to, I'd love to share the whole thing, but I don't want to, I don't want to take up too much of your time. But we, but we saw that come in and her, and, and she had a grandparent that passed away. And so that was tough. But then about a week later, I get a phone call that my, my dad was missing and they hadn't seen him. And it, you guys don't know my story, really, but I, I wasn't, um, my dad was kind of in and out of prison my whole life, and um, he was in jail and out of jail, and then he kind of went back in. And But he had just gotten out right before my grandmother had passed, and um, so we were just getting reunited. He actually came out to L.A. and saw what we were doing. And, um, you know, he went from, before I moved out to L.A., he's like, why are you going to go to L.A.? Like, oh, my God, they, <laughs> because whenever I got the job for adopt block which is leading outreaches, below minimum wage, part-time job across the country. I had no money. I had no vehicle. I had no nothing, right? And so I'd tell him, like, yeah, I'm going to go to L.A. and not make any money. <laughs> like He was like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, it, it, but then whenever he came out, what I did was I, I took him to Skid Row, and I was showing him, and we would, we were in my own personal car, and I'd come up to the stoplight, and then people would come up, and be like, Taylor, oh my God, this is your car, like, oh my God, and like, but he saw the relationships and then he began to see what we would do and he, his heart was changed towards the whole thing and then he just went from being like so cynical to so so prideful in, in the sense of like, man, I'm so proud of what you're doing and, and and so we were just starting to get like a really good relationship again and we would talk about just small stuff. Um, you know, he, he liked to work out and whatever, so we, you know, that was just the way that we bonded and um, but January, so I think it was January 26th because we found out, like two days before we had a young adult service that he was missing. And I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want to distract anybody or have anybody think anything while we were having service. I didn't say anything. And then um, we, get, we, you know, we got the phone call that he was missing. And for about a month, we had no idea what had happened. And, and I forget why I'm telling you this story, but I feel like I need to. And, but we went a whole month without knowing about whatever had happened. Like, we heard multiple stories that he had ran off with somebody, or um, we, we heard one time in February that there was some biker gang after him, and they were coming after us, too. And I'm like, man, they're going to be so disappointed. Like, <laughs> they're going to get here and realize I ain't got nothing. They get, like, this trip for them to come get me is going to cost them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, wouldn't that, wouldn't that suck? Um, but, and, and like, we heard every story underneath the sun. It was like a new theory every week and And then we got the call probably late February, that he had somebody in his life that it actually took his life, and we're so we're still like going through all of that, but even with all of these things, and like i'm not telling you i'm the best i i I wept in the morning and prayed, and then I'd wash my face i'd go to work i'd cry at lunch and I'd go to work, and I'd cry at night, and then it was just like repeat, 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 repeat. Anybody that's ever lost somebody, you know how grief comes in. It comes in like waves, right? And like, you'd be all right. You'd be all right. I'm just chilling. I'm good I'm good, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm a mess. Right? And so even with dealing with that, like people would watch and I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on Jesus. Please get, please get this. I already told y'all I'm the last person that should be up here. Like there ain't nothing about me that's like it is if you see anything from me that you like, I promise you it's not me. And I don't say that out of false humility. I say that because I know myself. I realize my condition, right? But he came and he comforted us. And like, even in that time, like we were going on outreach and we were seeing people get saved, seeing people get healed. People like, I'm, y'all charismatic. So I know y'all know what I'm talking about. But God was just reading people's mail. He was just using, like he was just using us. And, you know, like, but how am I supposed to be a disturbance to culture if my life, even my situations, haven't been disturbed by the gospel? Because like any other person would have turned to drugs, alcohol, like even myself, my drug, my, my, my thing that I would turn to would be isolation, right? I'd go be all by myself. But like the Holy Spirit just wouldn't let that happen. But how am I going to disturb culture if the gospel hasn't disturbed my own heart? And can I tell you that whenever you get desperate, it's always going to disrupt the content folks in your life. Like the people that are so content with just watching Jesus walk by. But like, you're like, no, mm -mm, I got a condition. I'm blind. I'm hurting. I'm sick. I'm this. I'm that. You know what you're dealing with. And, And like just fill in the blank, right? I can't. I know that my time to go ahead and encounter Jesus is running out. This life is short, y'all. And like, this is just a trial run for eternity. And so like, we've got to begin to think eternally minded and realize that we are time to go ahead and encounter Jesus and have a relationship with him is so short. And Bartimaeus says, you know what? I don't know if I'll ever get another chance to touch Jesus. So I'm going to make sure that I don't care what anybody else says up in here. I'm going to get mine. Right? And so, like, we've got to get to a place to where, like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if it makes you uncomfortable. I'm going to dance. I don't care if it makes you uncomfortable. I'm going to pray before I eat dinner at Cracker Barrel. Amen? Come on, somebody. <laughs> I don't care I'm going to look different I'm going to talk different I'm not going to listen to what you listen to I'm not going to watch what you watch not because I condemn you but because I'm so desperate for the presence of God I'm willing for it to cost me my normality I can't when you begin to get touched by Jesus you can't be normal anymore but there's people that are content with watching him walk by. Listen, get desperate. If those people are still content and those people are not and you're not disrupting the content, I don't know if you're desperate. Wow. I don't know if you really want this man. This is the Messiah. This is the one who who sets the captives and the prisoners free. This is the one who heals the sick, raises the dead, casts out devils. And this is the gospel that says, hey, you know how like I spoke and the earth was created, that same spirit that was in my son? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to give that to you. And you can walk with that same authority that spoke in the earth. What? What? And yet we're just content with watching him walk. Hey, Jesus. We're content with watching him walk by when he paid for us to get touched. Oh, man. We'll just watch him walk on by. We'll just participate in all the church culture. We'll come up. There's an old song. I don't know if y'all know it. (laughs) Probably not. It's not like a hit or nothing, but it's Magnify Jesus. That's the first thing that came to mind Magnify the Lord. Like, that's what we look like. How cool. Yep. Jesus is Lord. No, but for real, like he is. And we'll just let him walk when really he wants to call us out and touch us and heal us. But we have to be willing to realize our condition, throw off our old ways, crucify ourselves, and then we begin to come to him. I want to read something I wrote down. I promise you I've got like one more point, dude, and then we're going to get out. I listen to the Holy Spirit, but sometimes I miss him. And so if I miss him on this, y'all don't judge me, okay? I'm just trying to be obedient. Is that okay? All right. I'm just going to read this because this is, I'm just going to read it how I wrote it. For too long, men have let women be the intimate, loving types for Jesus. And men have been known for their labor and their hard work. Like, and this is what I felt like whenever I was praying for even here. Like, men, we get so caught up in just doing things for Jesus, like I'm just going to grind for the lord and we just start doing work for god right and god i feel like wants you to know that your labor is in vain if you're not known by your love don't be known by your work be known by your love this is what his this is what his word says that you will know my disciples by the way in which they love, love. does it say labor Sometimes love feels like labor though, don't it? Come on church, y'all be for real <laughs> y'all, know that, y'all know that person that it feels like labor If they're in the room, don't look at them Do not leave intimacy to the women For he has more for you than projects You're much more than a laborer But he's called you to be a co-laborer Which means that you're working with someone You don't have to work for God, you can work with him He's not a taskmaster to you, he's a father Y'all think you got to do all the work, but really, you're just the one holding the flashlight. He just wants you there. You're not even really playing a part. You're just there. He He just likes your company. Like, can we be for real? Like, we're talking about Jesus. You hear people say, God needs you. And I'm like, man, we are in trouble. Oh, my God, God needs me? God needs you. Oh, man, I hope not. Man, I hope not. If God needs Taylor Wilson, we just ought to just go ahead and quit. Let's just throw up our hands. Don't settle with giving God your hands when he's after your heart. Your hands can build churches, but it's an intimate heart that builds kingdom. You're worthy enough to take... Like, this is what I saw. I saw, like, dirty work boots, and I'm not trying to judge y'all, but I'm I'm just trying to see in the spirit, right? And so, like I said, I could be wrong, but y'all just forgive me if I am, but I just don't want to... I'm like one of those that's like, well, what if you're wrong? I'm like, well, what if I'm right? And like, this is exactly what you came here for, right? You're worthy enough to take off your dirty clothes and receive new garments. Some of us, we stay in works because that's what we feel comfortable. But when we start to talk about getting intimate with Jesus and getting real with him, we get really uncomfortable. And that's just not our, that's just not our niche. That's not our habitat. I'll do all this stuff, but then like, oh, you're talking about like getting like really intimate with Jesus? I don't know, but is there a Dorothy in here? She'd be like, I don't know. That's kind of Dorothy's thing. I'd be coming up with these Golden Girl names. (laughs) I love Golden Girls. It's not about your knowledge of things, but your knowledge of Him. And you're only as effective as you are intimate. But He doesn't become intimate with you to make you effective. Don't you don't you love a God that doesn't come to love you to change you? Isn't that crazy? Like, so many of us think that God just, like, every time we get with him, he just wants to change us. But can I tell you that his love doesn't have an agenda, it doesn't have a motive, but yet just being with him, he washes the cup in from the inside out. You don't have to live with things hidden, but it is work for them to be exposed and healed. Backdoor addictions are always seen. You've heard you're free and it doesn't feel like it, so you've given up. You're free but not walking in it. Freedom is yours, but it is a choice to walk in it. Walking in daily constant repentance is walking in freedom. And being able to say no is freedom. We talked about that. You were once slave, but now you choose what enslaves you. It's simple, but it's not easy. And I say that to come to bring us to like one of the last steps almost. We're two step, we've got two steps left, and the, this one is to receive healing. We receive healing like we do salvation, by grace through faith. So, for example, if I wanted to give you this water, right? Can I come down? Is that going to mess the mic up? Is that cool? All right. So it, this is how it works. It's by grace that I set this water here. I'm like, hey, man, that's your water. It's not mine anymore. You can have it. That's faith. It's by grace that I sat it there, and it's by faith in him believing that I gave it to him that he picked it up. This is how we receive anything from the Father. Amen? Amen. He didn't work for it. I'm good. I'm almost finished. He didn't work for it. This is how we receive healing. Jesus says this, in, 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 or the or Psalm says this in Psalms 23. It says that he makes us lie down in green pastures, and that that's where he restores our soul. He makes us lie down. We can't walk with him. And listen, we are so busy, caught up doing stuff that he's like, hey, I'm going to just calm down. I'm going to bring you to this field of life. I'm going to set you down, and I'm going to make you get restored and make you get healed. Because you think that it's about the work that you're doing, but really it's about the work that I'm doing in you. And I'm going to show you how faithful I am, but you've just got to lay here for a second. But you ever get silent and get uncomfortable with just your thoughts? We've got to get to that place, man. This is where we receive healing. Bartimaeus comes for healing in his eyes, but in that moment, receives sozo healing. Because it's through the healing of the body, even though the healing of the body is great and wished for, it's the healing of the soul that produces a disciple. What, gain, what good is it for your body to get healed, but let, yet you lose your soul? Like I've seen so many people get healed, but they never give their life to Jesus. I've seen people like their eyes get straightened, their legs grow out, whatever the case may be, you name it. Like everything but a dead person rise. I've, I've, I've seen, and that's not like a brat. I've just been around the right people, amen? But so many of them, they, maybe they don't give their life to Jesus. And I'm like, and I'm not saying it's a waste, like I'm so glad God did that for them and everything, but I'm like, but they didn't become a disciple. And it's because it's not the healing of the body that makes a disciple, it's the healing of the soul. In, my, in in this translation, he says, hey, help me to see again. Help me to see again, which means he had sight at one point and then lost it. I don't know if this is true, but I feel like maybe this is somebody in the room that maybe you saw one time. Maybe you saw the life that was going on. Maybe you could... All that thing, and then all of a sudden, you just feel like you can't see anymore. Maybe you fell out of your word. You fell out of what? I don't want to say fell. You chose to get out of it. You chose another path. And I just want you to know that Jesus says, "I will still restore you, even if you've lost your sight." Like He's not cut out a limit on you. Amen. But what's crazy is that Bartimaeus got saved, restored, healed, rescued, uh, preserved, and made whole in a single moment. Like he came to get his eyes healed, and then his soul got healed. Aren't you glad that sometimes Jesus gives us more than what we ask for? We think we really know our need, but then He's like, "No, no, no, no. You think you're here for this? I'm gonna. I, what you really here for is this. But He doesn't receive that healing unless He throws off His old life. Amen. Hmm. It's after we receive this that we actually begin to walk with Him. Because mm. it's, hard, it's hard to walk with Jesus if our soul is all battered up. This is where he begins to make us lie down. And it, and then that's the next step is just walking with him. And I'm convinced. I'm convinced. And I'm not like one of those church bashers. I'm really not. Are you guys still with me? Okay. I'm not one of those church bashers. I'm not like, oh, you know, the church this, the church needs to change that. Listen, that's Jesus' bride. And if somebody talked about my bride, like some of these people talk about the church, I would not be here. Y'all would be having to come to the penitentiary. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not a church basher. But I am convinced that the church has more converts than we do disciples. What I mean by that is we have a bunch of people that said a prayer, but then don't pray. We have a bunch of people that heard the word, but don't read the word. We have a bunch of people who can sing about love, but yet they don't love. This, okay, y'all know I'm from Louisiana. Y'all didn't heard it. Okay, all my words kind of blend together. So y'all forgive me, cause I'm about to get into the Greek. All right. <laughs> y'all are like, oh, he about to butcher this. If y'all didn't come for nothing, y'all came to laugh at my Greek. That's what y'all did. But disciple in the Greek is Mathetis. Mathetis? Okay, y'all, y'all, y'all help me out. Okay, Mathetis. Okay, I'm gonna read the. I'm gonna read the definition. It means to learn which vine says from a root of math. Um, it gives us the English word mathematics, and it describes a person who learns from another by instruction, rather formal or informal. Discipleship includes the area of the one who intentionally learns by inquiry or and observation. And thus, mathetus is more than a mere pupil. A mathetus describes an inherent, an inherent of a teacher. So basically, like... This is, a disciple is not just somebody who's just hanging around, but this is somebody who's asking questions, observing. Hey, why do you do that the way that you do it? Like, I, I used to work for a guy, I, I did HVAC and electrical work, and, you know, it wasn't enough for me to watch what he was doing, but I was asking why he did it that way. He'd be like, well, you know, what?" and, and like, he'd just be doing something, and like, he would want to teach me, but if I didn't ask, he wouldn't tell me, because he didn't even know that I had questions. And so many of us see God doing things, and yet we don't ask him why he's doing this way, this way. Why, why? Why? Why did you say this? Well, why did you? You know, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And this is how we begin to learn the characteristic of Jesus, and this is how we begin to um, it, not impersonate, but mimic Him, and almost become like Him, and become a disciple of Christ. Which means you can't have discipleship without discipline of asking Him who He is, and discipling, in and, and, and the discipline of just being with Him. John MacArthur notes that. Mathetus, right? I don't know. I'm just saying it wrong every single time. So y'all just love me, all right? Is derived from methano, which means carries the connotation of intentional learning by inquiry or observation. Like you're not just going to become a disciple just by like hanging out. It takes work to be a disciple. It takes discipline to be a disciple. And a disciple, he walks with Jesus, or she walks with Jesus. He doesn't do weekly meetings. He walks in love. It, he, a disciple is quick to repent. It he. He or she bears the image of Christ. They die daily and they're a disturbance to the world and there's disciples in this room. And maybe you don't feel like a disciple. You guys can go ahead and start playing music or we'll just, we're will just we just gonna go and we're gonna get into a place to just give God like whatever space he wants to, to do whatever. And like I said, I didn't come to hype you guys up. I'm not trying to get off any kind of emotion, but I wanna look at these steps, man. And I begin to see like and I really need to recognize my own condition. i got to get desperate. And if I'm going to have change, it's going to disrupt culture. So I have to make my mind up that my healing is worth more than the affirmation of man. It's not that I'm trying to look different than everybody else. I can't help it. It's not that I'm not trying to go to the movies with you and watch that stuff. I just can't do it. It's not that I can't. Listen to that stuff where I don't want to be with you, but I just can't. Just can't. I want the dove to lay on me. I want his presence. Because once you taste, you can't go back. Once you've had the fire, you can't settle for smoke anymore. And I don't want to lay on my mat and watch him walk by, but yet not even see him, but just hear about him. But like, what are we really able or willing to do? I think there's people in this room that are willing to get up. I think there's people in this room that are willing to throw off the things that they've compromised for so long to get something that's so good that they never even know they could have. They've heard about it, but they stopped believing because they didn't really believe that it was real. You've heard that there's freedom, but yet you've never really experienced it because you didn't know that freedom was the choice of saying no. And so you've given up on the compromise, you've given up on those places in your life, and I'm Tell you that Jesus is saying, if you just get up and you just give me a chance and you just throw off those things that brought you comfort, shelter, provision, and you let me be your plan and your only plan, you'll walk with me and you'll be able to see. And I'll do more than just heal your eyes. I'll give you life and life more abundant. We think life and life more abundant is having enough money in our savings or a 401k and all that kind of good stuff, which that's all great, whatever life and life more abundant is walking with Jesus walking in obedience I'm not saying you gotta be some holy roller but man I'm just being honest I just want to walk with him he's so good would y'all stand with me I don't know why we get more spiritual when we stand up for some reason honestly I just want you to be able to make that first step and this may not be for the masses this may not be for 99% of you but I know it's for some of you And if you're here in this room and you're saying, man, like, I don't know if I'm desperate. I don't know if, like, I've really realized my condition, but now it's starting to shed light on it. And, like, I want to get healed. I want to really walk with Jesus. I want this stuff. I'm telling y'all, it's real. It's real. You can really walk with Jesus. You can really know what he's thinking. You can really know his heart. You can really act out in his nature. And and sometimes it feels like a discipline, but I'm telling you, if you begin to walk with him, I remember whenever I started to go down the skid row and I saw this guy and he was preaching, He had nothing to do with a dream center. And some of you may have heard the story before. I don't care. I'm going to tell it again. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. My bonk we came out. But I began to watch him preach, and and, I, and and like nothing is happening. There's still people shooting up. There's still prostitution going on. All this kind of stuff. And he was preaching. There's like zero response. And I'm like, oof. Like I've preached in some dead churches before, but I've never had somebody prostitute in the middle of my sermon. I've never heard. Some, I've never had somebody shoot up while I'm in the middle of preaching. I've never had it. I'm like, man. And I was just honest with the Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, I don't know if I could do that. And he said, Son, because you don't have any compassion he didn't even say it like harsh he said it in the most loving way he could
1: it was like honey on the
0: tongue man you don't have any compassion I was shooketh as the kids would say as King James back in the day would say I was shooketh I said man what have I been doing this ministry for this whole time this is the thing that made Jesus go and heal the sick and raise the dead and what am I doing out here I'm just out here playing a part I'm just out here being a puppet really And so I begin to read in Colossians 3, it talks about putting on the virtues of God. And the very first thing in which it says is like, put on, it says, put on tender mercies. And then it's got this list, as long as it is, like from here to Narnia along of all these different virtues to put on. And I begin to look at this stuff because it talks about being patient and being kind. And above all these things, um, put on love, which binds all these things together. And I'm like, Jesus, this don't fit me. Y'all ever put on clothes that don't fit? I'm like, this is too big. Can't, I, I can't fulfill this. You ever feel like you can't fulfill what God's asked you to do? It's because you can't. What a great thing. Wouldn't it be so sad if you could do all this thing for Jesus and do it without him? Oh, man, that's up. It's because He didn't call you to do stuff for him. He called you to do stuff with him. He's way more about your journey than He is your destination. Some of you are so obsessed about the destination, that's why you're so frustrated. And you'll always be frustrated. Because it's step by step. It's, he's not trying to get you to the top of a mountain. He's just trying to be with you. But I remember, and he reminded me back whenever I was younger, I remember my grandma, the same one I was telling you about that passed away. She took me to Ross to buy shoes. I've always been a shoe guy, right? And um, I just remember, like, getting clothes that were too big for you. Um, and you know, like, we say when you get clothes that are too big for you when you're a kid, like, you'll grow into them, right? And so I had heard this a good bit. And I remember we go to Ross, and um, y'all, y'all know how Ross, y'all got Ross here, Right? Okay, you I know, like, how shoes work. The shoes line up to the suitcases. And then the closer you get to the suitcases, the bigger the shoe gets. Ross had sizes of shoes I didn't know existed. Like, some of these shoes, I was like, are you sure that's not a boat paddle dressed up with a Nike check? And, like, literally, like, it looked like a ski. Um, and I picked out these pairs of shoes that were way too big for me, and they were god-awful ugly. It was ugly as sin. I'm telling you, it was so nasty looking. they looked like a mixture between, like, Miss Me Jeans and Journey and Claire's. And they were like big and silver and high top, and and they were for basketball, right? And I couldn't play basketball; I never could. But I like to look like I could, right? And so I, I bring them up to my mamma, I'm like, hey, momma, you got to buy me these shoes. And she's she's like, son, baby, they're too big for you. And and they really were. Like my foot was creasing in the middle of the shoe; it was that big. And I was like, but momma, 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 I'm gonna grow into them. I'm gonna grow into them. And I was a I was a really cute kid. Something shifted, but I was a really cute kid. And so I taught, and because mammals are sent from above, because they are heaven sent angels, amen. Every grandparent in here is like, I know, I know. It's a calling. But she bought me these shoes. I'm gonna tell you, I I play basketball and I look like I was running around with clown shoes on. I looked ridiculous. But he reminded me of that story. And he said, son, if you just keep putting these virtues on, if you keep putting on these things in which I, all my virtues, I promise you, you'll grow into them. And you may feel silly whenever you begin to try to put these things on, but I promise you, if you abide in me, as I abide in you and you abide in my word, I'll grow you into these things. And so right now it may feel like a discipline, but I promise you, the more that you begin to abide, he's gonna grow you into these virtues. And you can really, really, really actually walk with Jesus. You won't look at your pastor and be like, man, I wish I had that. You won't look at somebody on TV and be like, man, I wish I was in the man with the Lord like that. I don't know why you talk like that, but But you can really have this stuff. You guys want that? Can we? Listen, it doesn't matter what decision you make today. It's all about what the decision you make tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So like we can have a moment here, but it's your decision after that. Because we're not gonna have a service like this, you know, like every single night for you to be able to make that decision. You have a decision every single morning if you're gonna follow Jesus or not. So you don't have to say a prayer tonight but I do recommend saying it tomorrow and the day after and the day after. So I'm just gonna pray and then we're gonna do altar ministry. I don't know what that looks like, but I'll you know, i pray for you. I'll lay hands. I'll do the six feet. I'll do the 12 foot, whatever you want. We'll do a fire tunnel. I don't know what y'all would be doing down here, but <laughs> whatever you're comfortable with, like I'm good. But don't leave here without getting what you need. Stay here until you get it. Make a disturbance if you got to. Disturb the things that have been so normal in your heart. And get everything that God has for you. You guys ready for that? Let's pray and then we'll just be with Jesus. Father, we just love you. And I thank you that Jesus, that we can have everything in which you paid for. Father, I just thank you that every person in here, God that I I pray that they don't remember me, but God, that they would remember what you would say to them. That God, that even if they never heard a word that I said, but you spoke something so intimate and sweet into their heart, God, I pray that that would just begin to come to harvest right now in Jesus' name. That God, that nothing, 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 Father, would stand in the way of them coming and getting what you have for them, God, which is discipleship. Jesus, you yearn and you long for their companionship, Jesus. This is why you came and died on the cross. Not so that we can have services that are, you know, just hyped up. But Jesus, that you really died for us to be able to have an intimate relationship with you, Jesus. I pray that nobody in this room would leave with anything else other than that. Nothing less than an intimate relationship with you. And if you're in this room right now, I'm just going to give you a chance to just surrender. That's it. Maybe you're tired, maybe you're weary. Jesus says, come to me, I give you rest. You take my yoke, it fits you perfectly. You've tried for so long to carry the things that I've already carried. And I feel like Jesus just wants to give you a chance to just surrender that stuff so that you can actually have what he's got for you. He says to take my yoke, which means it's gonna take some effort on your part. He doesn't just put it on you. You have to say, Jesus, I want your yoke. I'm tired of carrying mine. I'm tired, I'm weary. I'm about ready to give up. And he's like, thank God. Thank me, right? <laughs> I thought that you would, ne- I, I, like, he's just so ecstatic that you would come to him. If that's you tonight, would you just raise your hand? Come on. Amen. 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 I see you. And you know, and you know if you're walking with him. You know if if you if you're a disciple. You know if you're going to heaven or not. But maybe you don't. And I'm just going to take another survey because I want to see what we need to pray for. If that's you and you don't know if you're going to heaven or not, and you're saying, hey, look, this this whole thing with Jesus that you're talking about and the cross and the resurrection and the new life, hey, I want that. If that's you, would you raise your hand for me? Amen. I see you. I see you. I see you. Amazing. Amazing. You're in a good spot, man. You're in a good spot. So would everybody just, right after me, we're going to pray this prayer. and You guys that raise your hands to receive salvation, you know who you are. And I, and I really challenge you to get connected. You can just come up here towards the end. We're going to, because I want to make sure that you don't just say a prayer, but you, you, you get discipled. Amen. So just everybody, I don't want to single anybody out. But if you would, just pray this after me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I want you. I need you. Would you come? Would you wash me? Make me clean? Make me yours? I repent. I want your ways, not mine. In Jesus' name.